Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, how do you market a product when there is no product? More on that in a second. If you're brand new to this show, I'm hoping that you'll stick around and thank you for listening to this first one. It's a show all about how brands are becoming more authentic by mobilizing their masses. A lot of the times that means consumers and today it also means fans. I'm on with the VP of Marketing from New York City Football Club, NYCFC for short, Sarah Bishop. Now this is Sarah's first season in soccer, which means it's a pretty interesting season to start out your sporting career in. And she's learned all about what it means to market a team, a product, a brand, and a sport when it's not on the field. It's meant a lot of innovation with regard to community contribution and new ways in which to produce content, importantly, through the use and voice of the fans, which is what we love to talk about on this show. So it was a pleasure to learn a little bit more from Sarah about how the inner workings of that goes, especially right now, as well as to learn a little bit more on the side of diversity inclusion, just as much as NYCFC aims to embody the spirit of all of the five boroughs of New York, so too is it similarly important right now to be taking a strong stance on social issues as diversity and inclusion is an all-time high priority and so we learn a little bit more about that as well. I'm a soccer fan myself, so I really enjoyed getting to learn from somebody involved with the sport. And this is actually a conversation that I'd been attempting to have for a long time with Sarah before even her time at NYCFC. So I'm glad to make it happen and I'm glad to bring it to you today. I'll sit back and kick it off with her. This is our conversation for today with from NYCFC, Sarah Bishop. All right, everybody. We're on a bit of a sports kick here. I am on with... A sports team that is just about to get restarted. I'm on with New York City Football Club, NYCFC, and their VP Marketing, Sarah Bishop. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is great. I am especially excited to have you on because I wanted to have you on even before you were at NYCFC. (laughs) And here we are. Your journey has taken you there to the pitch, and now we can kick about some ideas around how to market a sport when the sport is not on the field. Uh, That and among a couple of other questions I can't wait for us to tackle. Um, But let me just... Let me just set the the record here for our audience because you have a, a rich background in a whole bunch of different industries. You you were in uh, uh, broadcasting, you were on CPG side, you were in footwear, and now uh, you were at uh, you were at Bevy, which I want to learn a little bit about what that was. Uh, but now at a sporting organization, what what about was it soccer that drew you in? Was it about the the spirit of New York and and the team that they had just built around the city that brought you in? What about NYCFC got Sarah on board? Yeah, I mean, I always joke with people that despite the fact that I don't consider myself to be uh, incredibly athletic, (laughs) I always, uh, across almost every um, role I've ever taken, have ended up touching sports in some way, shape, or form. Um, And so in some way, it feels like it was only a matter of time before I ended up on a a team side, um, on the team side of the equation. Um, But I'm thrilled to be at NYCFC. I... Uh, and thrilled to be in New York um, for a couple different reasons. Um, the first is that, and I feel like it's important to sort of get this out of the way <laughs> at the beginning, but I'm Canadian. Uh, so if, if you hear me say words funny, um, I it's been joked about a lot since I've moved to this country, so I'm open to it. Not at all. And matter of fact, just in the last month, we had our, our first 
uh, true born Canadian on the show. So thanks for being the second. Amazing. Amazing. That's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess being a Canadian, I've always, you know, I, I traveled to the U S a ton when I was growing up, always to New York, fell in love with the city when I was younger, um, tried to get here, um, through different roles in the past and, and sort of always saw myself kind of being in, in this market professionally. So that was one piece of it. And then I, you know, I also joke that soccer is one of the only sports that I know anything about. Um, I spent uh, years of my life living in England um, when I was younger and, and got deeply um, into Premier League football um, when I was there. And so, you know, when this opportunity came up at NYCFC, um, being, being part of uh, City Football Group, which Man- Manchester City is also a part of. I was going to say, was that your team when you were there or what? Yeah, I mean... I followed it. <laughs> if I'm okay. being, I was a bit of a Tottenham fan when I was in England. I am now a diehard Man City fan. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, all of those different factors made this specific role something that felt really, really hard to pass up. And also being able to work um, for a sporting organization that's still relatively young um, and being able to kind of like get my, my hands dirty and put my fingerprints on a brand that um, still hasn't completely, um, solidified itself was really interesting to me. Well, I, uh, I don't think that anybody's going to blame you for becoming a city fan after becoming part, uh, of the city family. And, um, you know, as sport, uh, begins over there and listeners, this is being recorded just as the premier league is getting back on track and, uh, Manchester city just walked away with a win as a matter of fact, in their first game back. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as on this side of the pond, it's one of the first things I want to jump into. We've had a lot of stuff going on. So have they, of course, but we've had a lot of stuff going on. And of course, New York being a hotbed of that, uh, we, uh, sat down to discuss this opportunity. And one of the many times we discussed this, uh, the week that lockdowns really began in mid-March. And since then, everything has pretty much been off the table and off the field, including sports. My guess is that is it's created a, a pretty unique, I don't know if it's challenge or question or, or, or problem or opportunity or story around how to build a sports brand when the sports brand isn't producing a sport. And it's not an off season either. So can you go a little bit into what the last few months has been like on that side? Absolutely. Um, As I'm sure many other people (laughs) in the marketing community uh, are feeling and have been feeling in the last few months, it it's definitely been a challenge. I mean, I admittedly in the sports side of things don't have it to don't have this season to compare to any other one because this is my first um, full season on, on the club side here at NYCFC. But, you know, I think, uh, we were two games into our regular season when lockdown happened. Um, neither one of those were at home. So I still am yet to really uh, experience a real home game. Um, but I think we very quickly as brands were forced to kind of pivot our approach and uh, our focus. And for us, you know, our, we're the whole club was built on this, this mantra of being for the city and being representative of, you know, the diversity that exists across the five boroughs and, um, you know, being hyper-local and at one with our community. Uh, and obviously, you know, we have 
we had to to really change the way we we focused our marketing, knowing that we wouldn't be able to bring that whole ethos to life through our product on the pitch. Um, we are lucky in that we have an amazing arm of our organization called City in the Community that does incredible work and has been since the inception of our club um, with a variety of different programs uh, across the the five boroughs that we serve. Um, but I think, you know, when we when we looked at sort of what the season um, was not shaping up to look like, it was really important to us that we used our platform um, to be able to help people across the community. And for us, that meant, you know, making sure that everything we did was underpinned by purpose. So aside from the standard things, you know, turning media off and not focusing our dollars in places that wouldn't be helpful. The first thing we did was um, started a community hub called Stay Healthy, Stay Home off of our homepage that really became the center of all resources that we were collecting for um, people in the community. If you remember when COVID first hit, I mean, there was so many different pieces of information out there, really not one's worth of truth. And we wanted to try to make it easier for people who followed our club and fans to be able to go somewhere where they could find information, pertinent information and relevant and, and the most updated information on um, you know, where they could go and get tested or, you know, through our partners at New York Presbyterian, um, different signs and things to watch out for, but also that we could use this hub as a source of entertainment um, for people who were, you know, we didn't know then, but we're going to be stuck inside for many, many months. Um, and so that was our first priority, really pivoting to become almost just like a content publishing hub um, as a way to support the community. And then from there, um, again, we, we very quickly looked at the organizations in the community that needed help the most based on where the needs exist in the community and identified a partner in New York Common Pantry, a food bank that um, has operations in the Bronx as well as in Manhattan, um, and aligned ourselves with them to make sure that anything we were doing, if we were ever putting out a call to action um, to mobilize our fan base, that they were directed uh, to that organization so that we could help give back. Um, and, you know, as life has slowly started to come back, um, we've started to get, you know, more excited about football being back. And so a lot of our approach has started to, to weave in some familiar signs from, from past seasons from a content perspective, but we're still largely focused on everything we're doing being underpinned by purpose. Well, it sounds like it. And of course, I noticed that plenty of folks were pulling back marketing dollars. It wasn't as clear immediately at the time where those dollars were going. Of course, it sounds like in your case, it was going towards community efforts. And, and that is great. I'm curious if a few standout stories uh, came out as a result of that, because the new innovative ways to market and give information to people surely gives way to new and interesting ways people are engaging with the brand. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think in a couple different ways, right? We we noticed that, you know, our, our community actually, especially at the very beginning, um, was engaging much more aggressively with us than they had in the past. Uh, everybody had time. Um, and, and I think that we learned a lot about the different content approaches that we're hitting. So we tried everything from, and are still still testing out a lot of different formats from, you know, the the virtual happy hour, 
to virtual and almost like appointment-based exercise and conditioning programs with uh, some of our coaches and first team players um, through to, we did an interesting and exciting series with uh, our partner Cisco to do a series called Friendlies where we had first team players calling fans directly who had been impacted by COVID um, to thank them for, you know, being strong and, and being resilient. And, and so I think coming out of that, the thing that kept rising to the top was, you know, there are all of these people who are, you know, undeniably heroes in their own right across our city, um, whether they are doctors and nurses or, you know, um, first responders, right through to people who are stocking grocery shelves or working at food banks like New York Common Pantry, um, or are even just helping out their neighbors by picking up groceries. Um, and so, really, we we kept hearing these stories over and over again of all these amazing people that existed in the community um, and decided to give them a platform and really hand over um, the, the power and the reach of the platforms we have to be able to tell their stories. So we launched about a month ago uh, a series called Undeniable, um, where we've broken it up into chapters and we're highlighting different local heroes and their stories of resiliency and strength and courage and bravery um, throughout this pandemic. And I think that that has given way to um, completely new engagement. I mean, it, it, these stories have virtually nothing to do with, with soccer, uh, but it's been amazing to be able to elevate the conversation and turn the camera from us to our fans uh, as a way to engage in a much more human way. To what extent do you think that that medium um, that and by by that I specifically mean keeping that camera turned towards the fans uh, how to what extent do you believe that that will stick around once you regain access to all of these um, more uh, what you would have historically done um, you know whether it be highly produced things or whether it be focused on just something that isn't necessarily a, a, a fan centric I'm sure that's always a piece of the pie but I'm just curious, since now you've had to do that more than ever, what elements have you learned or what things have you learned that, that you'll carry over? I mean, I think the idea of really highlighting and appreciating the people who make us the club we are will never go away. Um, and, and some of that had been happening before all of this, but I think this, you know, given the fact that we we haven't had a product to market, it has highlighted just how strong we are as a club because of the diverse and wonderful people who make up our fan base. And so I think being able to carry that through um, and, and be stewards of a brand that really these, these fans own uh, will be a constant for us moving forward. Uh, and we definitely know that, you know, we're not short of amazing stories of, people who are fans of the club um, and, and especially, you know, what has made them who they are. So I think that that storytelling also will definitely be something that continues on in different ways and different applications uh, as we get back to some sort of normality. I'm interested as to your perspective on uh, something which is uh, tangentially related to, to what to the spirit of what you've discussed uh, to this point on the show, which is that you want to embody the spirit, the diverse spirit that occurs and exists through all the five boroughs. 
for a long time, world football has operated under the say no to racism banner, something which was clear before, but solidified uh, in terms of a broad, strong message. Now in the U.S. over the past few weeks, and this will continue to, to grow and hopefully take hold as a real social movement, we have seen great protests amid civil unrest and injustice towards African Americans specifically, but similar in the way in which uh, there's diversity through the five boroughs, there's diversity everywhere that deserves to be championed, probably more than we've seen. And brands have certainly talked a lot about this and, and taken some action as well. I'm curious as as you're the, the captain of NYCFC from, from a marketing and a branding perspective, how do you intend to, to lean into that? We have some, um, I, I mean, and we, we have a platform that, and a brand that has actually um, come to life in, in a really wonderful way of for and by the community. Um, and I think when I first started, I admittedly didn't know the full background, but you know, in 2013, New York City Football Club launched on the rooftop of PS72, um, which is East Harlem's Lexington Academy. And and really from the beginning of um, the club, we've pledged to empower better lives through the game of soccer. Um, and so, you know, I think when we talk about being emphatically, you know, anti-racist and absolutely um, being a club that is committed to um, equality and committed to uh, fighting racism and homophobia, gender and um, immigration inequality and discrimination in all of its forms, a lot of those feelings are embedded in the fabric of who we are as a club and have been since day one. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of things from a marketing perspective and a lot of stories that we still have to, to do a better job of telling. Um, when I started, I, I also didn't know that, you know, since the club's inception, they had developed 29 mini soccer pitches throughout the five boroughs um, with the New York City Soccer Initiative. They have, uh, and, and we have uh, an amazing program called Saturday Night Lights, um, which makes soccer more accessible to people across the five boroughs. Um, and has delivered free soccer programming to over 5,000 uh, youths in marginalized or underserved communities. So we have a lot of amazing things that are always happening and have always been happening since the very beginning of the club. Um, so we're definitely committed to it. But I think, you know, everything that's happening in the world has forced everyone personally, but, you know, also professionally to be super introspective and look at not just what they're doing, but what more they can do. And so we are as a club committed to uh, continuing to do some of the amazing things we have been doing, but also pledging um, to expand programming to ensure that, you know, we are helping um, with coaching qualifications for black and people of color coaches, um, creating mentorship programs for minority coaches to work alongside our academy and youth program staff. Uh, we're, you know, we announced that we will be observing Juneteenth and election day as official company-wide paid holidays with volunteering and educational opportunities moving forward. Um, and there are a multitude of different policies that we are evolving um, or changing outright moving forward from hiring 
to internships to the the um, makeup of vendors that we work with. Um, so I I'm incredibly proud to work for an organization that you know has taken on the issue of of racism and inequality from day one. Um, but I think that you know especially now has has really pushed forward to ensure that you know everything that we we have been living through our community programs is also now being reflected internally i want to ask a question about your personal takeaways from from this you have this extremely unique i would say experience at nycfc and without these concurrent contexts i would have said perhaps it would be similar to joining a baseball team as their head of brand in 1994 or 1995 amidst a strike. But now there are so many different things coming together, coalescing, social issues becoming so important, uh, social good, public health, things which are transcending sport, transcending any brand. You've mentioned a couple times so far in this conversation that purpose has come to the forefront and that it always has been a part of the brand. But in terms of the way that you think about building businesses and building brands, whether that be in an authentic way or not, what are some of the things that you have personally learned the most from how businesses should operate, given all of the turmoil of the last quarter or so that you might apply uh, in future times when these contexts are not so grave? It's a great question. And, and it comes, I mean, it comes back to authenticity and how authentic the brand is. Um, and a mentor once told me, which I thought was really cheesy at the time, um, but once had a conversation with me about the fact that, you know, marketing a brand is a privilege because it really affords you the ability to be able to earn the ongoing trust of the audiences that you speak to. And at the time I was young and I, I'm sure I <laughs> played it off um, and then make made many mistakes probably off the back of that. Um, and approached the idea of building a brand as, um, and, and the relationship with fans and consumers is something that was very transactional, uh, really is sort of more of a one-way dialogue. Um, but I think, you know, and, and you're absolutely right, 2020 as a year, I think has forced all of us, not just as marketers or as professionals, but as human beings to, look at the way we interact with each other um, and and ensure that, you know, we are being raw and transparent and open and approaching each other really as human beings first and foremost. Um, and so I think that that is something that we, especially in the role that I'm in now, that we talk about and think about every single day in terms of every piece of social content we put out or every email we send to our database, the way we engage with people in our social uh, ecosystem. Um, and it kind of seems so obvious it, that, you know, just being human and, and talking to people not from kind of like the, the corporate pedestal you're on, but talking to them as if they are your colleagues, your friends, your neighbors, um, really helps you build that trust and helps you build a brand authentically. I think that 2020 in, in some weird way um, has crystallized the importance of that for me. 
Well, that's really interesting to hear. I've heard things similarly uh, in more in the context of years of education being compressed into months of real-time action, but to know that uh, it's something that you've and, and admitted here that you were, you were learning through and didn't necessarily know all the ins and outs and now have, have come to, to learn perhaps from a personal building, like personal brand building perspective is is a bit of a, of a silver lining. It's, it's, it's weird to say, given everything that, that's gone on for anybody to have a, a silver lining, unless it is speaking to some greater good. But that's interesting to hear. Speaking of what is yet to come, and we are due to listeners, you should be listening to this show just before the restart of the MLS season uh, in the beginning of July. Other than the obvious, which is the action on the pitch. What are you most looking forward to when things kick back up and kick back off? Uh, I mean, my first season. <laughs> I'm, okay. <laughs> it feels like the longest buildup um, and the most wild buildup of all time. Um, but aside from the obvious, uh, I'm I'm excited to, to see the team compete in Orlando, which is... Uh, the MLS is back tournament that you were referencing that kicks off on July 8th. I'm really excited to, to see the team get back on the pitch. I know they're really excited. Um, I'm excited for also um, the, the challenges that, you know, will be presented this year in terms of just how we engage with fans. It's obviously not going to be a traditional year. Fans will not be in stadiums um, at least as far as we know from the beginning of the year. So uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting to continue to see how we as well as you know all the other clubs across all the different leagues that will get back to play um, will adapt uh, and I'm sure there will be a lot of innovative approaches and, and exciting new ways for for people to access the sport so I'm excited to to be on this roller coaster that is 2020 while while also being um, new to to the club side of sports right. And hey, if that access continues to grow and diversify, that's something that will only be beneficial for the fans. So thanks in advance for that. And um, I'll do a quick thanks in advance for our for our roundout question. And listeners know what's coming here. It's a question I ask everybody who comes on this show. And it's a specific question. Pretty simple. I'm going to load it a little bit. Here's why. The folks that listen in to uh, Authentic Influence, they hear from folks from companies, big and small, all sorts of industries with all sorts of diverse backgrounds. And they look for specific takeaways because they emulate the journeys of people who come here. And my guess is that there are plenty of people who listen into this show who are sports fans of some brand and maybe someday would love to be associated with one of their favorite brands. Well, this is something that you've now gotten to do and you've learned a heck of a lot, especially over the last few months, about how to build authentic relationships with people and thus authentic brands. And whether it relies upon the knowledge that you've gained over the last few months or the years that you've had across diverse industries, I got to ask all of it how it boils down into this final question, which is what are your top tips or your general advice on how to build a more authentic brand? It's a great question. <laughs> Um, and, I, and I think admittedly, I'm, I'm still learning, uh, as I sort of mentioned in one of the, the previous questions. But I think, again, you know, training only gets you so far. I think that, you know, throwing yourself into it, um, getting to know your audience, um, and, and also then speaking to them, again, 
um, like a human being instead of like someone trying to sell them something, uh, I think definitely helps you set that foundation. And then from there, I think it's all about making sure that you are putting the right people in place around you, giving them the freedom um, and the trust to be able to, to continue the, the interactions with that audience and then listening to the audience um, and, and listening to your consumers and your fans to better understand what they expect of you and what they want from you. And I think coming from a position of, of that two-way dialogue um, and that honest communication and transparent um, sort of dialogue uh, has always helped me. So maybe, maybe can be taken away to help other people. <laughs> Well, I hope that I hope that they do. And uh, listeners, if if you've been a fan of football from from a young age, and maybe you're in a, a piece of your career now where you're not even working in something even close to it, maybe try to figure out a way to get it in on the fringe. And someday you'll lead a brand in the sporting world, just like Sarah has today. And you'll get to have these conversations like the one I've just had. Uh, Sarah, it has been a pleasure learning a little bit more about uh, about the MLS, about the team, about uh, football, about getting back on the pitch, and about all of you learned along the way. Um, what else can I say? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Sarah Bishop from NYCFC for joining the show today. It's been a pleasure to learn more about how you're getting the fan involved, how you're contributing to the community, and I cannot wait for you all to get back on the pitch. If you enjoyed today's show, no matter what team you're a fan of, here are some ways you can stay in touch with ours. First off, podcast.vavoom.co. It's a website where all of our shows live. There are over a hundred of them. And if you're just tuning in for the first time today, you can listen to all of them right there. Hours and hours and hours of fun. You can also head over to LinkedIn where a showcase page exists for this authentic influence podcast. A lot of the same content, but also tidbits and videos and events and news on events. And of course, once everything is reopened, there'll be a heck of a lot more of that. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn, just like everybody. Adam Connor, connect with me. Send me a message. Give me a recommendation as to where to go from here, and I'll do my best to make it happen. I'll be right back with another fantastic story we keep on rolling about how brands are becoming more authentic each and every day through mobilizing their masses. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time. <laughs>